Poetry on Air with Sheboygan Poet Laureate Lisa Vijos. Hi, I'm Lisa Vijos, and this is Poetry on Air, a program of Mead Public Library in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, in which we explore poetry and the meaning and inspiration it brings to our lives. My guest today is Hannah Harder. Hannah studied English and biology and has a master's degree in environmental science. She's worked as an educator and naturalist with people of all ages, from pre-K to adult. She published her first book of poems, A Woman in the Wilderness, in 2020, and I'm so glad to have her here on the show today. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you so much for having me. It's a delight. Wonderful. Um, So... Let's jump in. You brought some poems. I asked you to bring some poems that have been inspirational to you and that would give us a chance to talk about them a little bit. So why don't you go ahead and and share the first poem with us? Okay, this poem is a poet that is new to me, and the poet's name is Timothy James Stouffer, and it's called Wilderness Color. The color of wilderness hides when the sun goes down not sleeping exactly, but resting, waiting for light's spark, for the warmth of tomorrow. In the dark, by the campfire's flames, you can glimpse the edge of color, cloaked in mystery, clothed in the cold of deliberate thought, quietly courting shadow. As another log falls or piece of bracken blazes, the colors nearest drop their act and dance, but quickly change back into their monochromatic robes of black. Night holds many secrets outside the sphere of your headlamp, like the inky reflections on the lake of so many cloud-covered skies thick with memories lying just below the surface waiting to strike like hungry fish haunting the dreams of winter days hibernating blanketed in white and frigidity breaking free in the long full days of summer with vibrant song hmm that's very lovely (laughs) <laughs> Tell me what um what kind of grabbed you ab- about that poem as you when you came across it what what drew you to it Well I'm always interested in ways of exploring nature and wilderness mm-hmm. and I just really liked some of the imagery in mm-hmm. it um this idea of the known world is we see so little of it and our piece in it um and really like our slice is this little headlamp, yeah. but really it's so much broader than we can imagine. Yeah, that was a, that was a neat image um, outside the sphere of your headlamp <laughs> that, that caught me, caught my eye as well. And uh, yeah, he's nice use of language, just nice sounds. Um, I liked bracken blazes and there was some, good moments like that in the poem I thought where just the language that he chose was was quite lovely but yeah so things of nature draw you clearly being someone who's studied 
environmental science, right? <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. How, and how did you come across this poet? Um, I actually just found it on the internet, mm-hmm. maybe on Pinterest. Um, and sometimes I like finding new poems, that yeah. new poets that haven't gotten a lot of attention yet. I think um, maybe he's a street poet. Nice. Mostly. But I thought this poem also captured a lot of nature as inspiration, this place you go for the spark for in the first lines that talks about that. Yeah. Yeah. In your own poetry, do you find yourself writing outside? Like, do you do you have a notebook with you? And when an image comes, do you jot it down? Or do you? I always think I'm going to be that kind of person. <laughs> but I think it's more the experience goes with me. Mm-hmm. So when I go there, and just those images that are so beautiful, you can't get out of your head. Mm-hmm. It kind of travels home with you and you wake up thinking about it or that's usually how my poems come to me. That's great. Um, what what else did you bring? You brought a couple other things that were um, inspiring. I brought two poems by the well-known poet Wendell Berry. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned about Wendell Berry in college okay. and I actually got to hear him speak <gasps> once. Wonderful. Except... Um, He's very different in person than on the page. Ah. He's a very humble, unassuming person, Mm -hmm. which makes sense in his poems. Uh, But I think a lot of environmental science is trying to get people to connect with land and love land and sense a place and what is meaningful to you there. Mm -hmm. So those are all things that Wendell Berry uh, excels at. And yeah, connects people to rural landscapes. Very much so. I think. Yeah. So what, what, uh, give us the first one from Wendell Berry. Okay, this is called Grace by Wendell Berry. For Gurney Norman, quoting him, The woods is shining this morning, red, gold, and green. The leaves lie on the ground or fall or hang full of light in the air still perfect in its rise and in its fall it takes the place it has been coming to forever it has not hastened here or lagged see how surely it has sought itself its roots passing lordly through the earth see how without confusion it is all that is and how flawless its grace is Running or walking, the way is the same. Be still, be still. He moves your bones and the way is clear. Hmm. Interesting. That and that last line, he moves your bones and the way is clear. Who do you th- who is the poet referring to in your mind? It's kind of a mystery, but yeah. <laughs> in the last line, because you can't see it on the page, it's mm. in quotations. Yeah. Um, so it's, is that maybe what, gr- was the person in the epigram at the top, Gurney Norman? Is that his name? Yeah. I looked him up. He was a writer. Okay. Do you know very much about I him? Don't. Maybe <laughs> I was like, was who is this Gurney Norman? Of... But maybe he said that, right? Yeah. He moves your bones. Maybe that was him speaking. I don't know. But regardless, this notion of grace, right? 
And what gra- what about this poem? I mean, yes, nature, but was there something I think specific? I'm transitioning to autumn yeah. in my head. Uh-huh. It feels like perpetually autumn in yeah. this part of Wisconsin right now. Mm-hmm. So I think um, the transitions in the poem, this idea of mm. the air is changing, um, but it hasn't changed yet. Okay. And there's perfection in these cycles, mm. the things coming mm-hmm. up and coming down, mm-hmm. and that there's this tree and it's giving off its leaves, mm. but it's also has these roots we can't see. Mm-hmm. So even at the end, when things are falling, going to their next stage, there's still roots. The potential for yeah. what's going to come next. And mm. so the air is moving, all the things are moving, but mm-hmm. the tree is still. Mm-hmm. And, I just thought and was, you kind of, I felt as you were reading it, there was kind of like an immediacy to it. Like I felt like I was there, you know, feel, feeling the, that movement or that, I can't remember all the words, but I just remember as you were reading it, it was like very immediate, the description of the place, which I thought was quite lovely. It also kind of seems like it's just the right time. Mm-hmm. Like it says it hasn't hastened or lagged, so mm-hmm. it's coming right right at its time when it's yeah. supposed to. Yeah. And I think during this stage of the pandemic, I've just found myself, Wendell Berry seems to be the right poet for the occasions. <laughs> I keep That's, going back to him. Yeah. A good plug for Wendell Berry. Uh, yeah. And do you go into nature a lot too? I try to go as often as possible, probably not as often as I should, but <laughs> as often <laughs> Hey, there's no shoulds. Possible, right? <laughs> as often as possible. Um, and then, and you brought a second poem by Wendell Berry as well. This one is also about the forest. It's called Woods. Okay. I part the outthrusting branches and come in beneath the blessed and the blessing trees. Though I am silent, there is singing around me. Though I am dark, there is vision around me. Though I am heavy, there is flight around me. Hmm. I like that repetition. It's a very short little poem, but read it, read it again, because it's a short one. Let's hear it a second time. I part the outthrusting branches and come in beneath the blessed and the blessing trees. Though I am silent, there is singing around me. Though I am dark, there is vision around me. Though I am heavy, there is flight around me. Hmm. The blessed and blessing trees. Was that was that the line? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's quite beautiful. <laughs> what about for you? What what was there anything in specific in the poem that makes you say, "Oh, I like this poem." <laughs> I like the whole thing, but yeah. I think um, it's, yeah. this idea that wherever you're at internally, that nature is still going on, is Mm. still inviting you, is still making beautiful sounds and Mm. ways of blessing you when you can't feel Mm. it immediately. Yeah. So that 
the blessings are past your vision, past your Mm -hmm. current perspective. Interesting. Yeah. So is it the poet's job to like find them, find the blessings and report on them? (laughs) I think Barry would say yes. Yeah. (laughs) I would, I would ascribe to that and try and, you know, try to attain that. It seems like. I don't know. Do you, how, how does that work in your own poetry? Do you feel like you're trying to reveal something that maybe people might miss if they didn't stop to think about it? Would you say? I think finding those little grains of sand, like William Blake talks about that mm-hmm. heaven and a wildflower. Mm-hmm. So all these things are really miracles if you can stop and mm-hmm. look closely enough to find them. Yeah. I think. And it helps to have a poet point them out to you, maybe. (laughs) Sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes. (laughs) That's her job. Right? (laughs) Uh. We're back with Poetry on Air. I'm Lisa Vihos, and my guest today is poet and naturalist educator, Hannah Harder. So what's next, Hannah? Let's hear some poems by you. Um, and tell maybe tell us first a little bit about your book, A Woman in the Wilderness. So this was my pandemic project. Okay. I kind of sat down one day and just was thinking, you know, I have a lot of poems written, and I wonder how many I have, and I should do something with them. Um, so it was a really rewarding project. It was my first book and, um, just the way it came together. And I learned a lot about editing poetry in the process. I'm usually a person, I write a poem and it has to be all in one setting. I can't have a really hard time coming back to it or stretching it, or it feels like it feels inauthentic. It loses its vision. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I had the pleasure. My editor was my childhood pen pal, and she she was really magic. She nice. just had this way of breaking the lines and making things sing mm. and keeping it exactly my vision of. So it was it was kind of this magic editing relationship. That's cool. That I don't know if you always had get she that. ever edited poetry before. Yeah. Does she write she, poetry too? Um, I don't know. If she publishes, but mm-hmm. she had worked in some. A little bit. Um, Terrific. So this was just kind of a compilation of poems from about a 10-year time span. Oh, wow. Okay. So it covered a lot of things, family moments with my kids and exploring different landscapes going around the country. Yeah. And you have it in, there's like sections, right? Sort of groupings. So it. Those groupings are love, land, and loss. Love, land, and loss. And um, let's see, you're going to share something from the land section to start, yeah? Okay. So an arcus cloud is a type of cloud. It sort of looks like a tornado laying Mm -hmm. on its side. And I've seen them now twice, both times in Wisconsin. Um, And it usually means that a big gust of wind is coming. Mm-hmm. So the first time I saw it, it was at the harbor, mm-hmm. um, which is a really dangerous kind of front for boats because mm-hmm. they can really get swept really fast. Okay. But um, it's 
quite beautiful to see. Mm. It's quite unique. So this nice. is so that's the name of the, that's the title of the poem. Yeah, Arcus. Okay. June at the harbor, and still a cold front moves in. A cloudless sky swells and stretches, then billows around itself slowly, imperceptibly at first. I watch mouth gaping to see it fold over itself again and again. The leading edge rolls out like taffy, quickly consumed by the sky. Mm. So this very awesome looking cloud <laughs> just sort of rolled up. And I love this idea of it folding over itself. I, I want to see a cloud like that. Your poem, your poem made me want to see an Arcus cloud. I don't know if I ever have seen one. At, but, the, at the end of the, or yeah. at the, I can't remember if it's at the beginning. I think it's the front edge of the storm. Okay. It's the front edge yeah. of the storm. But, hmm. The other one I saw was here in Sheboygan County too. So I think being oh. close to Lake Michigan, we have good this conditions. This is a thing. Yes. <laughs> wow. And so this poem, you mentioned before when I asked you about how you you write your nature poems, do you, you weren't standing there looking at it and jotting down notes. You went, you saw it and you went home and you wrote about it. Do you know, do you remember, remember, did you write about it like the same afternoon or like significantly? Yeah, probably many days Often <laughs> within one or two days. Yeah. I think those experiences when they're most vivid before mm -hmm. they vaporize. Yeah. So it was still present with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Um, let's see. I, I loved your book, by the way. I found many, many poems in it that I that I liked a lot. Before, there was one, I, I, I might share one in a little bit, but I want to be able to make sure we get through the ones that you brought that you wanted to share. And I think the next two are ones that you haven't published yet. Is that accurate? Yeah, so Let's this project those. went together well. Mm -hmm. And then I think the second project, um, I think is going to be illustrated, Ooh. which is a really fun That's exciting too. Um, so sometimes when you just sit down and you start creating, you kind of surprise yourself. Mm -hmm. You think that's a really fun feeling too. Are you doing the illustrations yourself? Uh, yes. Oh. Maybe with a little bit of help, but very exciting. So, all right, let's hear what um, else you've got. So this book, there are quite a few that focus on more endangered species mm. in this book. Um, so. The first one is called From Rifts, and this one is actually, actually, I guess both of these are about a trip from Lake Superior. Okay. Uh, from Rifts. Sunrise at the Mother Lake, somewhere out of sight, one lonely loon howls with reverberation. It is the remembrance of living once among wolves, of all that could be awakening now, like mist from sanctuaries of solitude. Here, one footfall, one oar slice makes thunder. Glowering, turn us to stone like our shared solid bone with your red eye, residual spark from fountains of flame. Mm. Hmm. 
Interesting. <laughs> so from riffs, riffs I think of as like chasm, like like what is a rift exactly? So what am I thinking of? <laughs> some of these are really fun too when I have to go. So the Arcus cloud, I had to go consult with my yeah. meteorologist friends and this one, you know, do yeah. some geology research. Cool. Um, so Lake Superior is actually unique okay. among the Great Lakes. Mm -hmm. And actually in my upcoming podcast, The mm -hmm. Unsalty Sea, the first episode is about this. Oh, wonderful. Um, so it came kind of like rifts like a volcano like okay. kind of spilled through mm -hmm. so it's really uh one of the more ancient parts of the north american landscape mm. and so it's also kind of um i think magic in that way too mm -hmm. and the loon this was my first time to hear a loon mm. so that's something kind of iconic and northern oh yeah and when you look at them they look so bizarre they're mm. so they're almost like something possessed with these red eyes and <laughs> i just was thinking oh, about like interesting. that is such a cool cool thing yeah i didn't know they had red eyes <laughs> now you'll have to go and look. have to go look for them um yeah so tell us a little about bit about the podcast that you're getting ready to start up um, so it's about life on and around Lake Michigan. Ooh. And so we're going to be kind of taking that a lot of different directions, mm -hmm. trying to catch up with some local people, some natural history. Mm -hmm. And it's also in collaboration here with the Mead Public Library. So oh, exciting. The first episode's about geology of the region. Mm -hmm. um, so it'll be coming up soon. Wonderful. Well, we will watch for that or listen for it <laughs> or both. <laughs> That's cool. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> what else? What's you have another one here to share? Okay. This one is called crowning. Okay. Swans at sunrise swim at the cervix of the South Channel. The hour there's alone, all fluid and rose, translucent and shimmering. Every day here, that circle of sun, the womb of the world, pushes out gargantuan miracles. Often in the unattended hushed hours of twilight, serendipitously we are invited, bear witness. Mm. Hmm. Wow, so it's like a birth moment. There's this really cool spot in Bayfield, mm. near Bayfield, um, okay. where, uh, I guess, I don't know what you call them. They're not quite peninsulas, but there's two places where oh. the land literally okay. comes together. It's hard to describe. Oh, uh, like an isthmus? No. They're, they're like two yeah. separate little, yeah. almost like fingers that Points. sticks out. Yeah. So <laughs> it kind of looks like, so the swans were swimming in the middle oh, of cool. as the sunrise was coming up. Oh my gosh. So it's really neat. At the cervix of the South Channel. There they were. Very cool. Mm. Um, and so actually, I'm going to take a minute. and Because one of your poems in the book I liked so much. And I wanted to, well, I guess I should have you read it. It's your poem. <laughs> Can you read Mother Moon for us, oh, please? Sure. <laughs> it's on page 41. <laughs> 
Sometimes, on the edge of elation or despair, the sky wears taffeta dresses in translucent hues. Between barren branches, the winter moon rises. So closely she kisses your cheek, dries tears in your hair. Her face is slanted sympathetically. Somewhere on the other side, she's aligning the floods to their shores. Mm. I really, really like that poem. (laughs) I like, I just, well, I like that, I mean, the moon has sort of a female uh, personification already, and I mean, in a lot of mythology anyway and cultures but i love the her taff the taffeta dresses translucent hues and just how her face is slanted sympathetically i could really see that moon um and then aligning the floods to their shores i thought was quite lovely good poems hannah (laughs) i really enjoyed your book a lot um So along with, like, I mean, a lot of people, when you mention nature poems, immediately will say, oh, Mary Oliver. And I wondered if that was a poet that you had. She's also a favorite. And I had to work hard. Like, I mean, obviously I brought Wendell Berry, so I didn't go so unconventional here. But uh, (laughs) everybody knows knows Mary Oliver. Yeah. So, um, and a few of the poems in A Woman in the Wilderness. Um, I guess this was sort of a, I don't know, discipline, like mm. kind of to take an existing poem and write a response to it. Oh, So some yeah. of these poems were um, when I was sitting while my father was very, very ill in the hospital mm. and um, not really fully conscious. And so I would read a Mary Oliver poem, mm-hmm. and then a few of them were sort of responses to some of oh, her interesting. poems. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And actually, well, let's end. Uh, there's one more that I want to ask you to read. It's on page 34, and we were talking about autumn a minute ago, and that we're in kind of this quintessential autumn moment beginning right now in Wisconsin. Could you read your poem, In Autumn? Sure. In Autumn... The colors come off as the gloves come on. The world turns burnt sienna and rust, copper and gold, skin peeling and cracked, gnarled but wise, barren but enduring, so bare beneath the petticoats. But run your hand over her crevices, the rose hangs on. Through filtered sun and white drops of frost, the inviting sky, an opal mirage. Deeply taupe, umber and dark, the goose's wing reaches for escape. Its beige body will not be buried under snow. Vivid white, whispering white, it murmurs of things to come. Mm, That's beautiful. Thank you. I love it. Murmurs of things to come. (sighs) I just feel like I had a refreshing walk in the woods with you this afternoon in this little short half hour together. Thank you so much for coming today to share with us. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. And um, yeah, and thank you, listener, for joining us today. 
And if you have any ideas for the show, please reach out to me at poetlaureatesheboygan at gmail.com and join us again next time for Poetry on Air. You have been listening to Poetry on Air, hosted by Sheboygan's Poet Laureate, Lisa Vihos. Questions or comments can be directed to Lisa at poetlaureatesheboygan at gmail.com. Poetry on Air is produced in the studios at Mead Public Library in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. More information on the web at meadpl.org.